Hey guys, great podcast this week. This week our special guest is Timmy Price. You guys know him from earlier episodes. You also know him as producer of the show, but we do have a big announcement this week. Uh, Timmy is coming on as not only producer, but also kind of a co-host role. So he will be on every show from now on. Uh, next week we have Pat Riley coming on uh, as a special guest and Timmy will be on that episode as well, kind of as producer slash co-host role simultaneously. So super excited about that. Um, this week's episode, Timmy actually interviews me, uh, so you'll get some um, new updates from me, I guess, if you care about that. Um, but more importantly, we talk about common grace this week and how that plays a role in our lives as Christians and how we can learn from influences outside of the Christian world. A really good conversation about that, so really great episode, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. Taking over the podcast today, I just uh, got back in from a long, long business trip and uh, was completely jet lagged and out of it. So I tried to sleep most of the day and um, spend a little bit of time with the kids and all that kind of thing. So I'm uh, I'm out of it, but I'm gonna let you run the show today, man. Well, I'm I'm happy and excited. It's been a busy day for me. I did the opposite of you. I went on like a four mile hike this morning through some trails and then. Helped a friend do some computer shopping, had a couple Zoom calls. So it's been a full day. But uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about, I know you just recently got a new job. And mm -hmm. so you uh, you texted me the other day, said, yeah, I'm in California right now. I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh, what, what, tell me, tell me a little bit about what the new job is. And I'm sure everybody's interested to know what's going on because I know you've had a lot of life changes. So this one, you've only had, this new job, you've only had what two weeks and they already had you on a, a business trip. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I hadn't even been there a full week before they uh, took me out to California and abused me for a week. So um, it's cool. Yeah. So I just started working for a company called Right Hook Digital. And uh, Right Hook Digital is uh, an e commerce marketing company in uh, Brisbane, Australia. Um, and that's where they're headquartered, Brisbane. And they also have an office in Adelaide uh, that is on the West Coast, the Gold Coast area, I think. And um, they started the company three years ago. They already have 86 employees around the world. They started the US team about a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe. And uh, I am higher number 13 on the US team. Uh, so it's really cool. I, I, there's kind of a background in, you know, there's a big story behind why I left my agency, um, and decided to go back into the, uh, the agency world and, you know, working for working full-time for another agency and not just running my own. And, uh, it's funny, like two weeks ago, I would have told you different reasons why I joined as opposed to what I would tell you today after going to that, that week long summit in California with right hook. So it's been, it was, a, it was an eye opening week. And, um, I don't know, I have a, a mind full of information and inspiration and I'm just trying to, um, soak it all in before I, I really start hitting the ground running with them on Monday. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So what does, uh, what's right hook, right hook do? Like, what is their 
their primary focus of the company? Yeah, great question. So they only work with e-commerce companies. Um, and their tagline on their uh, website is we, um, we build hyper growth marketing strategies for e-commerce companies. And the way that they have done that, the way that they started three years ago was just doing Facebook and Instagram marketing. And they've taken companies that are small companies, like only 40,000 a month in revenue up to over a million, million and a half a month in revenue in like 12 months time. So they have tons and tons of stories like that. They're really, really good. Um, and uh, like, for instance, a, a jewelry company in Brooklyn, they make those little nameplate, nameplate jewelry um, brackets like that you get on Mother's Day. It's like a necklace with the little, the names of your kids on them. Oh, sure. Like a Pandora's bracelet or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Pandora bracelet. Um, uh, but they're mostly necklaces and stuff. And, uh, that company, so that's, that's the company I was talking about this time last year, that company was doing 40,000 a month. And by Christmas, they had them doing over a million a month in wow. sales. I mean, just rapid, rapid growth. And in fact, that client has paused some of their marketing because I would, they need to, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Because they don't, they, uh, they grew so fast. They're having to build new manufacturing relationships. They had their own manufacturing building that they've had for years. The guy that runs the business now was his dad's manufacturing company. And he kind of took it online with this jewelry thing. And, uh, they've grown so fast. So like, Hey, let's just pause everything. Um, and you guys just give us strategy direction. And when we get new partners, then we can, uh, ramp up the, the, uh, marketing again so they haven't i mean I, they, i'm sorry they haven't paused they've just reduced budget sure um it's like the kid that uh, has a growth spurt and can't go to school because he doesn't have any clothes that fit him. <laughs> right 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 um so i mean this company I mean, i've just been so impressed by it like i can't even believe i got in the door i just it it doesn't feel like this is a moment of transparency i apologize but i i have imposter syndrome a little bit like they're like, yeah, we really want you on the team and you're going to be great. And I'm like, you guys are so like good at this. Like, I just feel like I don't fit, but they, they made me feel welcomed and stuff and encouraged me. So I'm ready to, ready to go, man. Now you sent me a picture from the, uh, the weekend of it looked like you were at quite the, uh, quite the <laughs> spot. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. <laughs> so first of all, they, 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 they just did the U S team, uh, as far as flying them somewhere the year before in February last year, they flew everybody around the world, whether they were in the Philippines or the U S or South America, they flew everybody that was a strategist to Australia for a week and did the same thing. And that was right before COVID hit like in February. And, uh, this year they're like, all right, COVID's crazy. We've been doing, you know, kind of getaways with the Australian team already. Let's just do one for the American team. And then everybody else joined us. It was still a worldwide summit. Everybody else joined by zoom. And then the American team was the only one that was together. So uh, they flew us, we're all remote. So we're all over the US. They flew us all, um, bought our tickets, flew us all to California, got two Airbnb, Airbnbs on the beach. And our Airbnb, sorry, our Airbnb was this like just gorgeous uh, condo right on the Pacific Ocean in Newport Beach, just south of LA. Um, the pictures are incredible. Um, I'll have to send some to the, the Slack channel, but uh, it was, you'd get up, I would wake up in the morning and walk out into the living room and be looking at the Pacific ocean. It was just, it was gorgeous. You're, you're like what, 50 feet from the water. Yeah. A little farther. I mean, it looks like that in the pictures It's probably a okay. hundred feet, but yeah, okay. there's no, there's nothing between us and the water, but sand. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, it was, I could, it, they just, they really, I, their culture is so amazing. They just really important to their employees believe that building the person is how you build the company. Um, so they, they really invest in their people. Um, so I had some misconceptions about it. I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of a, you know, we do some team building games on the beach and then we do like a three hour conference, you know, on, on zoom with the, with the uh, international team. And, uh, it wasn't like that at all. Like <laughs> we got up, we woke up at eight in the morning and we had to do prep work for each session. Um, the sessions didn't start until three o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time because that's 8 a.m. Uh, Australian time uh, where they're located in Australia. So um, we would do prep work from like eight in the morning until 10. And then we would do what they call jam sessions where we would pick a client and just all minds, whether you worked on that team or not, all minds were, were geared towards that, that client or that problem. And we would just talk about strategy and how to improve that client and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we would eat lunch and then do like our actual daily work um, for me, it's, it was onboarding stuff. The onboarding stuff's really expensive. And uh, then you know, everybody else is working on their clients. And then at three o'clock, we hit, we hit the, the summit time. And from 3 p.m. until 9.30 p.m., our faces were on our computers, you know, um, just in this meeting, just really intense, a lot of information, a lot of breakout sessions, a lot of work. And then after that, we would sit around and talk marketing, just nerd out on marketing because we're all marketing nerds. Till like midnight so it was there it was not a uh uh you know go to the beach and hang out on the beach and play spike ball kind of trip it was intense it was intense yeah. and i loved every second of it it was it was so worth it so i don't know enough about the industry to really ask intelligent questions but like you've mentioned clients a few different times would I don't know if it's proprietary or not, but are you able to share or would we know any clients that you work with necessarily, not necessarily specifically, but your company? Um, you would. Um, we work with a lot of fashion brands. So probably any female listeners would know them better, but KMM is a handbag company um, that is really big. Um, Swank and Posh is like a, a women's leggings company, like those different there's real fancy leggings and that the girls wear to jog or just wear around in the store or whatever but also like the ones that look like jeans and stuff okay. that they fit like leggings um they're out of detroit they're they're pretty big um i don't know enough about all the clients that we have um but there's there are some very big brands out there that, that people would recognize i just don't know them all yet sure sure well that's that's really cool now the other thing I noticed from that picture was not just the location, but the uh, age demographic. Uh, you're actually, you told me you're one of the oldest guys in the uh, U.S. team. Is that correct? On, this, on the U.S. team, I'm the second oldest guy <laughs> at 37. Okay. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, a, com it's a complete Silicon Valley uh, feeling, man. Like, like one, of the, one of the guys that's one of the uh, junior strategists is 20 years old. Um, I, he may not wow. be a strategist yet. He's like an advertising specialist for Facebook. He's 20 years old and he blows my mind, man. He is so mature. And like, I, I was on a client call with him just listening in a uh, week before last. And I was like, this dude's 20. And like, and he's making, you know, Silicon Valley money as a 20 year old because he's so good at what he does. And uh, um, it's, they have a lot of people like that. You know, one of the, 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 uh, social media guy um, that was with us there that does social media actually for right hook instead of the clients. He does right hook social media, 22. And 
lives in Guatemala and uh, they flew him to the U.S. too because he was kind of on that U.S. time zone, U.S. team. So it's like that, man. Um, my boss is 34. He's three years younger than me. Um, so the content, what, what our, our main content writer uh, on the U.S. team is uh, the only person that's older than me. <laughs> So, uh, so when they hired you, they were like, we can, we can get some wisdom from this guy. I think it's some, uh, <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's what they kept telling me. They're like, man, you have so much experience and we love to have you on the team. And I'm like, you guys are smarter than me. Like, I don't, <laughs> what am I doing here? So, um, you started college when all of them were uh, graduating kindergarten. So <laughs> if that, um, the, uh, Brad Bradley's was born in 2000, dude, 2000. Um, so these, yeah, these guys are legit, man. Uh, most everybody's late twenties, early thirties, about between like 27 and 34 is most everybody. And then you have some really young ones and then you have the old geezers like me. So. (laughs) Well, very, very fun stuff. What, what, um, I know you have a lot, you said that you have to, to unpack still mentally and try to hit the ground running Monday, but what are a few, you've already shared a bunch, but what are a couple like specific takeaways or things that you think people in the podcast would like to know or things that you've like taken away and say like, this is, this is going to change either my personal life or just professional life. Yeah. Um, that's a loaded question. So I'll, I will try to share without sharing too much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so two things, uh, we did the first two days on personality and personal strengths and talents, just personal development and how that relates to professional development. So I got some stuff there. And then on uh, day uh, three and four, it was all business related, process focused, mission and mission focused um, objectives. And I got some stuff I could use there on the professional and personal side too. Um, And then day five was a recap of that. So takeaways, we did a, a, a uh, strengths test called Clifton Strengths. By far one of the best personality tests I've ever taken, uh, personality or strengths test. I've, I've, I feel like I've taken them all, but I'd never heard of this one. I've done DISC assessment, Myers-Briggs, um, Enneagram, Tradeify, like all these different things. I actually had a startup for a while that, that was a hiring startup that we focused just on personality tests. So I felt like I knew it really well, but um, uh the the Clifton Strengths test uh, and another test that we did called PSIU gave me new reasons why I feel like I started my agency in the first place and why I left my agency this time that I did not know before I got there. So that was really eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what I learned is that um, I'm a high, what's called a high stabilizer, which means I like going into a situation and seeing what can be improved upon or what problems need to be fixed and stabilizing that situation. Um, there's more to it, but that's it in, kind of in short. And um, on the Clifton Strength side, I'm high, uh, high in relationships and connectedness, which means um, uh, I kind of connect the dots and high on purpose, which means I believe everything's connected for a reason and all that kind of stuff. So all of those things um, showed me that what I was looking for was not to run my own business, although I did want to do that. And I've done that several other times because I do have an entrepreneurial spirit, but it showed me that I don't want to necessarily run my own business. 
I want to work in an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial company for somebody else where I have the freedom to be entrepreneurial within that company. Sure. Um, and so what I realized, you know, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, why did I start my own business? I would have said, because I had the entrepreneurial bug and I, you know, just wanted to go do things on my own, which was true. But what I learned was, um, I, th I think I left and started my business because I was tired of really bad cultures. Um, every company I'd worked into up until that point, like had been stifling kind of that old stodgy style of, you know, your glass ceilings right here above your head. You're not going to go any higher and, and do what you do, what we tell you to do. And if you mess up, you know, you're in trouble and, um, uh, right hook's totally different. They're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're here to let you run free and, um, help out, help make our company better. And so I, I realized that that's, you know, I'm better suited for working in a company like that than running one on my own because I, because I'm a high stabilizer. I'm not necessarily a high innovator. I'm not somebody that invents something, things, or, um, is always thinking of the next idea. I like to hear somebody else's idea and then tell them how it's going to work or not going to work and what they can do to make it work. And that's where I shine. And, um, so I think that's why I left and started my business. And I think that's why I stopped my business and went back into working for another agency. I just didn't know that until after I started working for this agency. So that's huge. I mean, even if, even if it doesn't work out with this company or you're there a short amount of time, just having that piece of knowledge sounds super valuable for you to be able to navigate future steps in your life. Oh, for sure. Like if anybody listening to the podcast, if you're kind of wondering, Hey, what should I do with my next steps or why am I not happy in my job? I would highly recommend doing Clifton strengths. Um, it's, 35 bucks to take the test, maybe 45. So there is an investment on your part, but it's extremely thorough. There's over a hundred questions. And when you get it back, it's like, it's like looking in a mirror. Um, and especially if you're honest with yourself and kind of read through the material, you're like, you know, this is how I operate. This is how I do things. You know, even in your personal life, this is how I relate with my wife. This is how I relate with my friends at work or my friends at church. And you can, you can attach onto those things and say, Hey, these are really, really are my strengths. How can I use them now to, to maximize the, the life that God is asking me to live? Um, it's kind of a, it's not a Christian, um, uh, test by at, at all. It's done by Gallup. Um, the Gallup polls is yeah, the one yeah. they took like their 50 years of research and made this test a few years ago. And, uh, they're always iterating on it and making it better, but, it's kind of a common grace thing. Like for me, I was, I was one morning I was sitting on the beach because that was the only time you could go to the beach was like at 6 a.m. So um, that's not completely true. You could go later, but there's just so much to do. But um, I was sitting on the beach and I was wondering like, God, why am I getting so much value out of this Clifton Strengths thing? I feel like I'm getting more, more value out of it this week than I am reading your word in the morning. Like I just felt like I was getting more answers. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Pat Riley, who we're going to have on the podcast next week uh, or next, next episode um, in two weeks. And um, I was sharing that with him and he goes, dude, I took that test too. And he said, there's, it was the same thing for me. He said, it's, it's common grace, you know, common grace is a real thing. Um, and inspiration that God gives you doesn't just have to come from the Bible. It needs to be corrected by the Bible. I mean, you're not trying to get off into some kind of woo woo thing. You know, you need to have the Bible as your authority, but common grace that's out there in the world because God created the world is valuable for us as Christians too. Right. 
Um, you think about how Paul wrote his letters um, to the Corinthians or, or to the Ephesians. Um, he's quoting um, modern uh, poets and modern criers and that, that those, their sayings got put into the Bible. And it just, it goes back to what my psychology professor at Bob Jones told me, my fr- told us our freshman year, he said, all truth is God's truth. Um, because, because God is true. If something else is actually true, truly true, then that's God's truth. There's all kinds of principles and things we see in the world that are, um, that are helpful to us. And I think sometimes as Christians, maybe, maybe it's just me, maybe it's, maybe it's fundamentalism, maybe it's me. I feel like sometimes I'm like, hey, if the Bible didn't say it, it's not something I should read. Um, now, I haven't thought about that way for a long time. This is not a new revelation. But, um, you know, I, learned, I was fortunately I went to that at a very young age. But I see Christians and still today that, you know, if, if it's not a Christian movie, they won't go see it. If it's not a Christian song, they won't listen to it. If it's not a, you know, whatever. Um, but God's principles are in the world and he created the world. And at one time the world was good. And there are things that we can learn outside of our Christian influences mm-hmm. that are very good for us as, as Christians. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think like you never want to go in one side of the ditch or the other, you always want to stay on the road. And I think the other side of that is when you're rejecting, like not reading your Bible at all, because there's so much other truth out there and you're always looking to that other side. So I think that's to, you know, the, the point you were just making the detriment of those that would say like, Oh, I only watch Christian things. or only do that support Christian businesses is, you know, maybe they go, they're trying to stay away from the one side of the road, that ditch, and they go all the way completely over to the other side of the ditch. And I think it's important to, you know, cause not, not only Christians are intelligent, you know, there's a lot of truth and a lot of, you know, knowledge that's been gained over the years by secular people. And I, I know even from going through counseling, you know, growing up, newthetic biblical counseling, that was the only type of counseling that Christians should go to. But then right. when I'm, you know, going through a divorce and addicted to pornography and, you know, dealing with stuff that happened to me as a kid with abuse and stuff, you know, I went to a to Christian therapy, which, you know, you heard the, the buzzword therapy, especially, you know, our background going to Bob Jones, like, no, don't do that. And psychology, that's a, a curse word. And, you know, here's a Christian counselor going through using psychology and therapy and having me lay down on the floor and draw an outline or have me get comfortable and playing relaxing music, having me go to my happy place. Like, you know, but having gone through that, like, wow, there was so much that I learned about myself and so much I learned about how I think and how I'm wired and both positive and negative that wouldn't have come solely from newthetic or biblical counseling. And so, yeah, you have to you have to be wise with all of that, but there's so much wisdom out there that if used in the right way can benefit your life. 100% true, dude. And I I uh that was something which you were just talking about there with with newthetic counseling. For those who don't know, newthetic counseling is um a type of counseling that says all the answers you need for all your problems in life, mental mental illness or whatever are found in scripture and you should never take lithium or antidepressants or anti-anxieties or anything like that. 
and they're basing that on but don't use word. psychology or anything else yeah no like psychology it's, it's just biblical counseling and what they're saying and where they get that from nuthetic is from the greek word nutheo which um, is the idea of admonishing one another um, that talks about that in the New Testament a lot as Christians, we should encourage each other, um, teach each other, counsel each other, and which is true. But because all truth is God's truth, science is God's truth. True science is God's truth. And when we find that, hey, mental illness is an actual thing and there are chemicals in your mind that can get messed up and uh, there are imbalances and there are hormonal imbalances and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and medicine and psychology can help that. Then we should take that part of God's truth as well and combine it with our, the truth of scripture and um, being a counseling minor at Bob Jones university. I didn't learn that till I was in my late twenties because I, I, I was totally bought in and totally educated on Nuthetic counseling. And it, I think it's dangerous. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of the, uh, the misnomer that maybe pastors carry around with them, and I don't want to make these wide sweeping generalities, but what uh, I've experienced some of the same where, you know, pastor, the word is shepherd. And so he's supposed mm-hmm. to shepherd the flock, but think about a shepherd with sheep, you know, he may know a lot about animals, but there's going to be certain things that happen to his sheep or his, an- his livestock that he is, not capable of doing. He may be able to deliver the babies that come out, or he may be able to treat certain illnesses or breaks or falls, but he's going to have to get a veterinarian involved at some point. He may have to get other type of, you know, maybe a, uh, something falls over the edge. Well, he's not going to build a ladder or rope structure. He might need to go get somebody that knows more than him to partner with. And that's not to say the shepherd's not qualified or that he isn't you know, uh, a good shepherd. He's actually a better shepherd when he admits, Hey, I need to advise like this person or, you know, in the animal context, this animal needs somebody other than myself. So yeah, I I totally, totally agree with you there. And think, you know, the, uh, the important thing is that we, we don't go into a situation thinking we know everything or try to push that off. But on the flip side, I would say there's, you know, when you do have God's word, like you are, and you are equipped with a lot. And so I, unfortunately, I think the other side that we talked about the ditch side, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Christians today that yeah, I, I can't counsel you because I'm not a professional and, you know, I, I can't, I can't do anything. And so they just bow out entirely. And it's like, you know, churches sh- shouldn't all have to have professional counselors hired on staff necessarily. Like, we as believers should be counseling each other and encouraging to our, to our ability. You know, obviously I've, I don't, I don't, I've never done certain types of things in my life, like drugs, for example, somebody's dealing with drug addiction. I don't really know that much about there's other things I've been addicted to that I can speak to, but in that case I can give biblical principles, but then direct them to either somebody who's gone through that before or get the professionals involved. But yeah, you don't have to necessarily always have a, a counselor do counseling. Like I think, again, that's going down a different road, but I think a lot of people right. maybe well, you hang it. your hat on that. Yeah. You nailed it, man. A shepherd is not a veterinarian and it takes wisdom. Like what you're talking about there is, you know, there are times where they should counsel you. And some people are saying, Hey, I'm not a professional. I can't say anything here. Like maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. It takes 
wisdom and sometimes probably making mistakes um, and probably, um, you know, not sure if you're saying the right thing or not, but um, it's something you have to learn. You know, you have to learn, okay, I can give advice here, but when it gets to here, I can't. And you don't always know where that line is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's an important conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear more about the uh, Clifton strengths. I haven't taken it myself, but next episode, I'm interested to hear more because I think we just scratched a little bit there. And I think hopefully that stirs up some interest for uh, the next episode. For sure. Maybe that's, that's, uh, they should be in our recommendations. For yeah. Sure. Well, I think that's a good transition into the uh, recommendations. Yeah. Um, I, uh, is, is that yours for this week? The Clifton strengths? I think I'm gonna have two. So yeah, go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by recommendations. <laughs> um, my first recommendation is Clifton Strengths. Uh, Clifton Strengths is like, actually, let me look it up here on the uh, on the internet. So I'm looking up Clifton Strengths real quick, but it is a personality test that focuses on your talents, and basically, what you get is a list of 34 talents um and just because something is at the bottom like 30 to 34 doesn't mean it's a weakness it means it's a talent that you have but it's not your strongest talent and your top five specifically your top five are um, your strongest talents and you can use those talents to help strengthen the 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 ones underneath six through six through 34 um, and I think they've, they've changed that a little bit recently. Now they're saying top five is really important, but also top 10 are right there too, because there's a margin for error, right? Like let's say the test is not perfect and your number seven is actually number four. They're wanting to say, hey, that top 10, you can count on that really being true, but your top five are probably what you're best at. And I'll give an example of that. I'll, I'll pull up my Clifton Strengths results actually. Don't, and don't just, take away too much from the next episode. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, so... Um, I'll just tell you guys what mine are real quick just to help sell this thing because I'm super into it. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, having done a bunch of these over the years, this is by far um, the best one I've ever seen. I've just been really impressed with it. All right. So I'm just going to show you guys my Clifton Strengths real quick. This is what your results look like, look like your Clifton Strengths 34 results. Um, and you get a list like this, one through five is bolded and then 34. So um, my top five are context, connectedness, restorative, learner, relater. And I'll just breeze through real quick and show you what that means. Um, this is a document full of awesome stuff, but um, context, you enjoy thinking about the past and you understand the present by researching its history. Um, and then, so, I mean, I see that in my own life. I, um, always think about how things went in the past and how I can make it better in the future. So it was dead on for me. And then it gives you a description about that. Uh, restorative, or I'm sorry, connectedness. You have a faith in links among all things. You believe there are a few coincidences and that almost everything has a, has a meaning. Um, as a Christian, I mean, obviously, I think God works all things together for good. And that's a huge part of my life, especially right now in my life, huge part of my life. Um, and this test nailed it, brought it right out at the top. Um, leave it sovereignty there. I see sovereignty, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, John Calvin's my homeboy. All right. 
restorative. You are adept at dealing with problems. You are good at figuring out what's wrong and resolving it. Um, that's that stabilizer concept I was telling you about from the PSIU test. Um, so two separate tests, two separate companies, they both aligned so well. Uh, it's just, it blows my mind. I've never seen anything like it. Um, learner, you have a great desire to learn what uh, to learn and want to learn continuously to improve. The process of learning rather than the outcome excites you. 100% true for me. Couldn't, couldn't have been more accurate. Relater, you enjoy close relationships with others. You find deep satisfaction in working hard with friends to achieve a goal. I think that's why I have this podcast. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it, it nails it over and over and over again. And um, I just, a huge, a huge fan. So that's my, I'm gonna, I said I was gonna do two recommendations. That's just one, because it took so long. You get the, the other re recommendation next time. Sounds good. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, my recommendation is actually a movie. Uh, I saw this a few months back um, on an airplane. So uh, I always watch movies on airplanes, always kind of weird um, because you're watching on a smaller screen. You have a lot of distraction noise. But this movie was actually really good. Um, would love to watch it again sometime. But it's called The Way Back. Um, ben Affleck. Yeah, I've heard of that. 2020. So it's only a year old. Um I'll read you the, the little IMD description. It's Jack Cunningham, who Ben Affleck plays, was a high school basketball phenom who walked away from the game forfeiting his future. Years later, when he reluctantly accepts a coaching job at his alma mater, he may get one last shot at redemption. And the reason I love this movie was um, it, it was very, it was done very realistic, at least in my opinion. Like you, you see his life and it just starts off with him just he's a heavy alcoholic like he's drinking and it just shows him going to the fridge over and over like clearing out like 30 cans in one night and he goes to work the next morning and he's pouring hard alcohol into his you know yeti mug or you know kind of like one of these that has but it's metal and so you just think oh he's drinking coffee, but no, it's like hard, hard alcohol. And he refills it later in the day and has like a cooler in his truck. So as soon as he gets off the job site doing construction welding or whatever he does, he pulls that open and cracks open a, a cold one as he's driving away from the work site. So he's just always pounding alcohol. And you're like, how could somebody get to this way? And then kind of slowly throughout the movie, reveals why he got to this place. Cause you find out he, like the description said, he was a star basketball player that had scholarship options and full rides and things like that. And yet here he is and you find out he's divorced and you know, his wife is now seeing someone else and just all this stuff and like, why and how? And at, as the movie goes on, like I said, you learn more and more and I, I really appreciate the fact that like, you know, I think language uh, can be used in a way where, you know, personally, I don't use, you know, foul language. That's a conviction of mine, but in movies, I don't necessarily. <laughs> you and I are different there. Yeah. You and I are different. <laughs> I'm just saying like, that's not something I do. And so like, when I hear somebody else, like I'm familiar with it, like people in my workplace do it all the time. It's not that like, I'm like, right. wow, I can't believe somebody said that, but I think there's a way to do it. That's more realistic where, you know, some movies just throw it in there to try and get the rating up higher to get the shock and awe. This was done where he's at working at a Catholic school. And so he's cursing and you just feel uncomfortable. So like, first, you know, like, 
should be cursing, but then also because he's at a Catholic school, right. it just hides it. So even someone who's used to cursing, like as, a, as an audience member, is going to see that, but just feel like on edge, like, oh, you're going to get in trouble or, oh, don't do that because, you know, there's a priest right around the corner or whatever. And uh, it just shows him like, it wasn't like he gets a second chance and everything changes. In fact, at the end of the movie, the movie ends not with him getting his life together. It actually ends with him checking into rehab and then like 20 minutes goes by. And at the end of the movie, he's still in rehab, still figuring things out, still healing. And I love that ending because it wasn't that everything got better. It wasn't that our, that he just had to do this one thing and then everything starts falling into place. There's so many questions that are left unanswered. And again, hope I haven't spoiled the movie for anybody, but um, it, it was really well done. And I feel like anyone that's going through any type of difficult thing or has gone through that can really relate with that. And just feel like it was a, a really well done real life story. I don't know if it has any truth to a real life character or not, but yeah, the way back Ben Affleck, a 2020 movie just from last year. So legit. Common grace, bro. Yeah. Common grace. Yeah. Like a, movie, a movie like that that's not even intended to be Christian speaks to you as a Christian. Yeah, for sure. So good. And we all, and we all know this. Um, I'm not saying this is like a revelation or this is a novel idea. We all know this. But I think that sometimes as Christians, we can, like you were saying, you want to stay on the road. You don't want to go off to one side or the other. Sometimes as Christians, at least I have coming from a, a fundamentalist background, um, have tended to fall into the side of, you know, that's not Christian. So what can I really get from that? Right. But that's, I mean, there's, we, we wouldn't expect our doctors to only um, get their doctorates from a Christian university. We wouldn't expect, you know, so we shouldn't expect our movie directors to get their um, degrees from a, a movie, a film, a Christian film school. Yeah. Like that's it. And that's, think- and that's, and that's Brad Brobeck's podcast kind of metanoia metanoia is about hey christopher nolan is this amazing amazing um writer and director and he has these amazing principles in his movie and they're so entertaining and they're actually done well and um these are really really good principled movies and i'm going to talk about that Mm -hmm. and that's how that's what the podcast metanoia is based on and um you know christian films suck most of the time like (laughs) fireproof is a good movie but it's only a good movie for Christians, really. Like we're preaching to the choir, you know, uh, facing the giants. We're preaching to the choir. The movie I was in, Milltown Pride, we're preaching to the choir, man. And uh, if, if that, I don't know who you're preaching. Uh, yeah, to. we're preaching to a very small <laughs> choir, a very small <laughs> choir. It's uh, we're pre- <laughs> we're preaching to the quartet with that movie. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to put that on the level with <laughs> with facing the giants. Um, that's not what I was trying to do. Um, but just, just Christian filmmaking in general, man, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it has it's, gotten better and there are some gems better. here and there. I, but. you know, you, you said this, you said you don't cuss. And I said, I do cuss. I kind of want to see a Christian film that has bloody violence and cuss words. Here's what I mean. All right. So Brad and I were talking about this the other day. Um, I want to see a film of David's mighty men mm. that in, in my mind, that film looks like 300, the movie about the Spartans 300. Um, I mean, those guys were warriors. They killed people. They 
fought off entire armies um, or entire legions of men on their own. They did these amazing, amazing, amazing things. And that right. stuff is not pretty. That stuff is violent as I almost said, <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff is violent <laughs> AF. That, that stuff is violent AF, Timmy, violent AF. And um, I'm sure they said a Yiddish cuss word at some point in there. I mean, even before I cussed, like when I was a, a senior in high school, I'd just gotten saved like a year earlier. I only listened to Christian music. Um, uh, I only, I didn't cuss, you know, I didn't have sex with girls. Like I was a very like um, moral person, right? And um, I don't, I'm not having sex with girls now, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. Bad gummit. Um, or guys. <laughs> or guys. Hey. Or, or, or guys, I'm not having sex with anybody. <laughs> okay? um, I love how you had to specify or yeah. with girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, take this out of the podcast, but don't leave it in the podcast. But as, as, as non-cussing as I was, let's keep it on that. As non-cussing as I was in high school, on the football field, when I got hit, I mean, or, or something happened, just it would come out. Yeah. It, it wasn't even a part of my language. It wasn't like I had it in there and, and then I said it. It's just like when you're in violence and you're getting hit and the, the emotions are high and the things are high, like a cuss word comes out. And I think that's, I actually think that's an appropriate time. So um, all that to be said, I would love to see David's Mighty Men made. And it's, you know, I want to see it like 300. I don't think 300 had any cussing in it, but it had a lot of violence. And I think that's what David's Mighty Men looked like. I think they looked like the mm -hmm. Spartans in the movie 300. So I feel like that is a Christian, like a good Christian movie. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be facing the giants, you know? Yeah. Well, and to the passions credit, passion of the Christ, exactly. they did show the violence. And exactly. I, I was glad, you know, we've talked about this before, but it was even, Christ's death was even more violent than what the, uh, the yeah. movie showed. It didn't even come but, close and, and everybody was pissed, right? Everybody was so pissed. Violent. This yeah. is so. This is too violent. My kids can't watch this, dude. They did not come close to Golgotha on that. Yeah. yeah. And what? And what? And and it's not even about the violence. The the ripping the the separation of of Jesus from God the Father was. You can't see that violence, but that was more violent than any any yeah. physical thing he suffered. That yeah. ripped. I mean, being together for from eternity past, and then God, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And having the Trinity just like. Talk about violence, dude. Holy shit. I got my cuss word in. <laughs> there it is. The, uh, the token cuss word of the, of the week. So, well, so cool. yeah. Yeah. Anything else you, you want to talk about cussing more? I want to talk about cussing more. <laughs> That's not a recommendation for this week, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my recommendation is that you study up on what you believe about cussing. Um, uh, Anything you want to add before we uh, wrap this episode up? Nah, man, let's just uh, introduce the song and get out of here. Cool. And for the song this week, Josh Woodward was kind enough to give us his music royalty free. So enjoy this song by Josh Woodward called Vanishes Here Lies. Of all the fiery crashes of everyone to ever rush to love. Past the stop signs and speed bumps Careening toward the tree trunks Perched above the edges of the bluff The splendor in 
forgotten earthly hymn The silent theft, the violent breath of life To just replay the camera lens To bring it all alive again To climb inside that speeding car to burn until it turned to dust and the wake of the embers the aching of December the chill that turned a healthy heart to stone the fast ascent the desperate thrusts the sweaty stench of teenage lust the hushed embrace of gushing shapes at night To just replay the camera lens To bring it all alive again To climb inside that speeding car Drive.